Welcome to the Miami Valley Church Podcast. We're so excited that you are here with us. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you are going to hear today. We'd love to have you join us online Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at miamivalley.org. If you love the Miami Valley Church Podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or rating in the Apple Podcast Store. Now go, love the valley right where you are. Hey, good morning. This is Pastor Jed, and welcome to Miami Valley Church. If this is your first time joining us, we are so glad that you are here. We are a community of people who want to get the good news of Jesus Christ out to this valley and all over the world. But instead of doing it our way, we are asking God, how would you have us to love and share Jesus right where you place us? The first step in doing that is by trusting the Lord and doing good. As this valley and as this world are desperately looking for hope, we want to point them to Jesus, not to make ourselves or even our church name famous, but to make Jesus known. That's who we are, that's what we are about, and we are so glad that you are here to join us today.
Good morning. Pastor Wilder and I want to welcome you to Miami Valley Church and say thank you for joining us on this Sunday before Christmas. It's our prayer that you are anticipating the celebration of the birth of our Lord Jesus and even more that you're anticipating his second advent and his return when he comes back as King of Kings and King of King and Lord of Lords. And so as we get ready to go into the book of Revelation and make Jesus known, we want to ask you, would you prayerfully consider asking God this question, God, what financial gift would you have me and my family give to Miami Valley Church at the end of the year? So we want to encourage you to take part in our Trust the Lord and Do Good Challenge. Pastor Rogers is going to explain that to you. Yeah, we're asking God, God, how would you have us to love and share Jesus with this valley? And through praying that prayer, uh, he has showed us that we are to put 50% of this challenge right here in this valley because we believe that God has called Miami Valley Church to serve this valley, but not only this valley, but to go global. And so 30% of this challenge is gonna go global and all over the world sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations. And then here's my favorite part, 20% is gonna be the how, because we don't know exactly how, how God will have us to love and share Jesus with this valley, but when he tells us, we wanna be ready. And so pastor, we are asking for $50,000 right. for this trust the Lord and do good challenge. And so as Pastor Ward said, our favorite part is we're just know that God's going to move in a way that we can't even imagine or think or anticipate, uh, just like he's done this year, just this December as uh, schools here in Miamisburg have gone back to uh, all uh, virtual and online. Uh, we've had the opportunity to open up our facility as a safe center for uh, learning for students and for families to take advantage of. And we heard an incredible story this week about those safe centers and just being ready to act and do what God calls us to do. Yeah, just this week I heard the story of a third grader who called into the central office here in Miamisburg School District and basically said this, my family, we don't speak English. In fact, English is our second language. And they told the person on the other end of the line, I need help with my schoolwork. And they were able to get plugged into one of these safe center learning environments because of you giving faithfully and being able to meet that challenge right here in this community. And we believe that God's gonna do that again in 2021 and we wanna be ready. And so your faithful gift to uh, the Trust the Lord and Do Good Challenge will enable us to, to move when God says move. So here's what we're asking. We're not asking for equal gifts, but we're asking for equal sacrifice. That's why we want the prayer to be personal. God, what would you have me and my family give? And so here on the screen, you'll just see a breakdown of what it will take us to get to $50,000. And some people might be able to give $10,000 and some people might be able to give five and some people might be able to give $5. And if it's an equal sacrifice and obedience to God, that's what we're asking for not equal gifts but equal sacrifice and so would you prayerfully consider asking God God what would you have me and my family give to the trust the Lord and do good challenge as we get ready to worship let's pray together Father God we thank you that we can celebrate the birth of Jesus mm -hmm. this week and God we are just anticipating that celebration but we are even more anticipating his return when he comes back as King of King and Lord of Lords, God, that's second advent. And until then, Father, we want to be found faithful. And one of the ways we're found faithful is as we're obedient. And so, God, we want to be obedient to this challenge, to trust you and do good, even in our finances. God, speak clearly uh, what you'd have me and my family give and each and every family. And may we be obedient. Father, we love you. Help us in everything we do to make Jesus known. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. And instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it.
No time to waste this morning. Grab your Bible, grab your favorite beverage, grab something to take notes with, because we come to the 66th book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, the last in our series, Make Jesus Known, as we've taken 11 weeks to look at every book of the Bible and say, here's where Jesus is seen in this book of the Bible, because Jesus, the Christ, the one who lives, who died, who rose from the dead, he is the central theme of every book of the Bible. So grab your Bibles, the book of Revelation. This is the one you're excited about, right? Because we know that God's word says, God's planted eternity in your heart, and you want to know what what is the revelation? Well, the revelation starts this way. We're going to look mainly at chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to see that verses 1 through 8 are an introduction to the introduction, and then verses 9 through the end of the chapter is just the introduction to the rest of the book, but they all talk about Jesus. So let's get into the scriptures. Revelation 1, 1. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Right off the bat, John, the author, we'll find out that he's the author later, tells us this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, this revelation, it means something that's hidden to reveal something to uncover something. Uh, it's the Greek word uh, from which we get our word apocalypse. Now we think about apocalypse as the dangerous end of, end of the earth, and that's part of it, but it's really an unveiling, a, a revealing. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to hit pause here and just simply say, uh, I need you to know if you don't, Pastor Tim's top pet peeve when it comes to the scripture, and it's this. Anybody that says revelations, my friends, it is not plural. And last time I've taught that, and I've had all kinds of you, and I'm sure I'll get emails and text messages just saying revelations just to irritate me. So thank you very much for that in advance. But it is singular. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ. This letter, this prophecy, this uh, this this revealing, it's all about Jesus. It reveals who he is. And the people who were going to hear it for the first time were going through something where they needed this fresh revelation, this, this fresh reminder of who Jesus is. Not something new about him, as we'll see, but just this fresh revealing of Jesus Christ. This is a revelation of Jesus. Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So you get the picture. God uh, gives this revelation to Jesus. Jesus gives it to an angel. The angel uh, gives it to John, and John gives it to God's people uh, known as the church. And what is the revelation? The report about the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Over and over again, how Jesus testifies that he's the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to God the Father except through him. And so this revelation talks about uh, who Jesus is, uh, what he did, what he's doing, and what he's going to do in the future. And so it's just this powerful moment. And so as we look at Revelation, we see the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, verse four says this, this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you. Sounds like you got a little something from Paul there, grace and peace. Uh, are you letting grace and peace be the first thing off your tongue and the last thing you say in every conversation? Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. From the seven-souled spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler over all the kings of the world. That's who he is, the first to rise from the dead, the witness, the faithful witness, and the ruler. And we've seen that, that Jesus is the Christ, the ruler of all the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by the shedding of his blood for us. Check that out as we have this revelation of Jesus. It's not about anything new. It's about the crucial event of all time, the sacrifice that Jesus made at Calvary that he willingly humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross, that he shed his blood for our sin, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, and his was the ultimate sacrifice, and there's not another one needed. And he made us a kingdom of priests, verse 6, for God his Father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. 
And so the author, John, wants you to get this revelation of Jesus. And he wants you to know how much uh, he loves you and how he liberated you, how he set you free, but not just so that you could have freedom and have this warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside. He's created us to be a kingdom of priests, to live a certain way for his glory and for the good of all mankind. And so he's given us this purpose. So that's the introduction to the introduction. It's a it's a picture, a revealing of Jesus. But now let's get into this. I, I want you to see verses uh, 9 through 20 of the rest of the first chapter, just this picture of Jesus. And I want you to grab a hold of it in a very personal way today. Uh, for some, Jesus, even to the people that heard it about the end of the first century, for some, Jesus was um, a faraway fantasy figure from early in the first century. For others, he was the one who allows us to have a relationship of intimacy with God the Father. And John, the author of Revelation, would agree with that, but he would say with all his heart, don't take that to mean that you should feel free to just snuggle up next to Jesus uh, because he makes you feel warm and fuzzy and safe and, and all good on the inside. No, if you get a real glimpse, a real revelation of who Jesus is, the only appropriate response is to fall at his feet as if you were dead. And that's the picture of Jesus that these people needed in this time of persecution and suffering that they were living in. And so uh, let's look at verses nine and following. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. Uh Uh-oh, here's a glimpse of Jesus that he calls his people to be a kingdom of priests and to patient endurance. Can I ask you to just do a quick survey of the last nine or 10 months as you've gone through COVID? Have you patiently endured? Have you have you really trusted Jesus in the midst of this? Or was it, hey, I need to get back to normal as quick as possible. Hey, I'm over this. I, I need to keep moving on. Have we have we really been able to endure? I, I love the fact, but then I don't love it so much that, that this year, uh, this is this is the Sunday before Christmas. And this year, it seems like people wanted Christmas to come soon and decorations went up earlier. We used to mock the stores by putting Christmas decorations out before Thanksgiving. But how many of us had our homes decorated before Thanksgiving because we couldn't wait for Christmas? But my friends, the point here is we have to patiently endure. We don't get to pick when Christmas comes. God ordained that moment that at just the right time Jesus came, at just the right time Jesus died, and we don't get to pick the time when Jesus comes back again, and we can't rush it, but we need to patiently endure. That's what we're called to, not a picture of Jesus we like, right? So John says this, I was exiled to the island of Patmos for the preaching of the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. He said, I was exiled. I was cast off. I was persecuted. I'm undergoing suffering on this island that where prisoners were sent, and so Maybe John's there with other prisoners and maybe he's there by himself, but for the preaching of the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus, he didn't give up on those two things. And then it says this, verse 10, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Imagine that, even in exile on an island where most likely there was no temple, there was no synagogue, there was no church building. On the Lord's day, can I just pause there and say that Jesus has a day that's his and we don't like that because God has always reserved a portion uh, for himself that's his. And and think about before COVID, uh, Sunday is the Lord's day for us because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's We don't just celebrate Easter one day a week. We celebrate it 52 Sundays a year. But on the Lord's day, John was was worshiping and he didn't need a building and, and he just was worshiping. He said he was worshiping in the spirit. Reminds me of what John wrote in John chapter four, where Jesus is having a conversation with a with a woman who was putting up all kinds of excuses to not say yes to what Jesus offered. And one of her excuses was, my people worship over on that mountain, your people worship on this. You worship in that temple, we worship in that. And Jesus said, hey, there's coming a day when it's not going to matter about the, it's not going to matter about the mountain or the temple. What, G, what God is looking for is people who are worshiping spirit and in truth. And 
John as he worships on the Lord Day in spirit and the truth. And you can worship right there in your home with the church that's meeting in your home, whether it's two of you, whether it's four of you, whether it's 10 of you, you can worship and you can have an encounter with this Jesus who's revealed to us the living word of God. And so he's worshiping in spirit. And now I want you to listen to verses 12 through 16 of chapter one. And what's gonna happen is we're gonna see the problem with our interpretation of the book of Revelation. Let me explain this to you as I read. I'm gonna read it and then we'll go through it. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. And he was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like the mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And the original hearers would have heard this, and they would have been captivated by that, and they wouldn't have had a time to dig into all of the images. So here's what we do with Revelation. We read verse 12, when I turned to see one who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. And immediately we think, lampstands, what are the lampstands? Gold, why are they gold? Why are there seven of them? And we want all the details. We want all the details, but we miss the big picture. And if I could tell you any one thing about the revelation of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelation, it is big picture. It helps us to remember key themes. And so instead of digging into the lampstands and the gold and why there are seven, we miss the first part of this verse. And the first part of this verse is this, when I turned to see who was speaking to me. When I turned to see who was speaking to me. Have you ever seen the television show, show The Voice? You know, it's one with Blake Shelton, you know, Blake Shelton and, and, and whoever the other three coaches are on any given season. But the show starts with blind auditions where the coaches have their backs and their chairs turned and, and they listen only to the voice of the person singing. And if the voice captivates them enough, they make their chair turn because they want them on their team. Here's the picture that John hears a voice behind him, and he's captivated so much by the voice that he turns around. My friend, the picture of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ is this. He is the voice, the living word of the Father through whom God once spoke and through whom God continues to speak to his people today. Are you captivated by his voice or do you just want the details? Why lampstands, why gold, why seven? And we miss the voice. My friends, God has been gracious enough to reveal the voice of his son to us through the scriptures. We hear what he has to say, but so many of us hear the voice behind us and we're not captivated by it enough to turn around. We turn around today. You see, they were captivated by the voice and wanted to turn around because they understood already the symbolism. They weren't going to be able to go uh, into their Bibles because they were going to hear this first. And so they were just going to catch themes as this book was read, this letter was read out loud to them. So I want to go through it now and encourage you as you turn around to hear the voice, what you're going to see. It says this, I saw someone like the Son of Man and immediately the original hearers would have said, oh, prophecy, this is the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy, what we call Daniel chapter seven. It's also reflective of the book of Exodus, of Ezekiel, of Isaiah, of Zechariah. They would have seen the Ancient of Days, the Son of Man, and they would have responded, oh, that's Jesus, the one who has been prophesied. Oh, Jesus was the fulfillment of that prophecy. And so uh, he's presented to them as one like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. They would have just immediately, oh, he's the ultimate priest and he's he's the ultimate judge. They would have been captivated by his word. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. They would have known um, they would have known the wisdom literature and they would have known that in the wisdom literature, a white hair is a symbol of, of wisdom. 
and he would have been a judge and a priest that was worthy because he stood the test of time. He has enough experience. He has enough age behind him to, to make the wise decision. His eyes were like flames of fire. He's, his judgment is all-consuming. His feet were like polished bronze. We find in a furnace, it reminds me of Isaiah chapter 57 that says this, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. They would have immediately, oh, his feet are beautiful. Oh, that's the, that's the messenger of peace. That's the good news of salvation. That's the good news that the God of Israel reigns. Whatever we're walking through right now, the God of Israel reigns. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. Can you imagine the sound of the ocean? And you're so close to it and the waves are just raging and they're thundering and they're clapping and every other voice in your head is drowned out. It's the only voice you hear and it's behind you and you turn to see what it's speaking, no other voice. He held seven stars in his right hand. The right hand is the the place of honor. The right hand is the hand of power and the the stars we know are the are the leaders of the church that in the midst of this persecution he's got them in his hand it, it's just a picture oh he's in control whatever's going on he's got the church and its leaders in his hand he's holding them safe he he hasn't let go and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth again this is the fulfillment of the prophecies of Isaiah of the coming king and the suffering servant who from his mouth he speaks words that are sharp as a two-edged sword and has come to life in Jesus Christ and his face was shining uh, his face was like the sun shining in all of its brilliance uh, just a couple of weeks ago Autumn and I were on a drive and we've been trying at least a few nights a week if the, if the nights have been uh, nice to to go up and catch the sunset and a couple of weeks ago we drove and as we drove the sun was just enormous as it was setting and it was brilliant and it was one of those things I can't quite stare at it but I can't turn away from it and that's the picture here his face is like the sun and all this is brilliant you can't look directly at him but you cannot turn away hold this picture in your mind look at the big picture don't waste. We, I told you the details, not to get into the details, but the first hearers would have known them. They would have immediately resonated with them because they had an understanding of Scripture. They knew what it was talking about because it was just this picture. Oh, that's the fulfillment. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one. The voice standing behind me. Oh, he's the one that all the other Scripture writers have, have talked about. So imagine you're living in a time that's strange. Nothing's normal. Everything's new. And you don't know how long you're going to be here and you don't know when you're going to get out of it. Your, your people are suffering. There are harsh and severe rulers uh, crushing city after city, imposing their will on you and imposing their will. And the churches need to know this in the midst of that. The churches of the world need to know that Jesus is standing in the center of them. He is in charge. He is ruling. He is reigning and he is in control. That is the revelation of Jesus. That sounds to me like that's the picture of Jesus we need. So would you listen one more time? understanding what some of these images mean and listen. I turned to see who was speaking to me. And I saw seven golden lampstands and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were polished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice thundered like the mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all of its brilliance. Please allow yourself to engage this Jesus, the voice speaking behind you. Turn and look at him 
and allow his clothing to remind you he is the ultimate priest, he is the ultimate judge. Allow his hair to remind you that no matter what you're walking through, he's walked through it before. He has enough age, he has enough experience to make the wise decision every time. Please allow you you, you to see the allow yourself to see the eyes of fire penetrating you inside and out. Nothing that you are, nothing that you've done can escape his notice. Please allow his beautiful feet to remind you that he is the messenger of peace. He's the messenger of the good news, the messenger of peace and salvation, the messenger that the God of Israel still, still is ruling and reigning. He is in control. Imagine standing behind that, beside that, that huge ocean wave and he's the only voice you hear. All the other voices are gone, and you can clearly hear what he has to say. Imagine his face looking at you, brilliant as the sun. You can't look directly at him, but you cannot look away from him. And now imagine this. He reaches out to touch you. What do you do? Verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. There's only one appropriate appropriate response when we get a glimpse of Jesus. It was the response of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. When I saw the Lord seated on his throne, I simply said, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. Woe is me. It's the response of Peter in the boat with a miraculous catch of fish when Jesus just, I said, uh, pull him up. And and Peter said, Get away from me. I'm, I'm a sinful man. This is the only appropriate response. We fall at his feet as if we were dead because we don't want to touch. We want to play dead. Maybe he'll just pass on by. But he laid his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. As Jesus always does. Remember, he's got the seven stars in his hands, but now his right hand reaches out and says, I've got you too. You have no reason to be afraid. I'm in charge. And now he presents his credentials to you. You don't believe that I'm in charge? I'm the first and the last. Verse 18, I'm the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. The only credential he needs is he conquered the grave and he is alive forever and ever. And he is ready to tell you, do not be afraid. And then he shouts, the shouting voice says, I hold the keys of the death, I hold the keys of death in the grave. He's like, I know that you're imprisoned. I know that there are things that make you worry about death and worry about what happens in the grave. But I just want you to know I've got the key and I know the way out. Follow me and go through this life with me, trusting that I'm alive forever and ever. And this requires incredible faith and this requires great courage. And that's why the book of Revelation was written to give God's people a fresh revelation of Jesus, not new, but fresh so that they could have faith and courage to face what it was they were going through. And now it's as if uh, Jesus and the angel pull the curtain back and give us a glimpse into heaven as chapter four opens up. He says, I was taken into heaven. We'll get to that in just a minute. But what he wants us to understand is this glimpse of Jesus. It's it's just mind-blowing, isn't it? This powerful, dramatically powerful, uh, reigning God cares enough to reach down and touch us with his comfort and his peace. He's the one through whom and in whom and the only one we can see the Father. And he has spoken and he still speaks words that cause us to pause and say, thank you. And this is the picture. Revelation was written, my friends, to a group of people a group of Christians who were under pressure. They were given a nickname, and the rough translation of their nickname was this, haters of the human race. Christians in this day were known as haters of the human race. Why? Because the world in which they lived was largely pagan, and the pagan world and the pagan culture in which they lived took part in things that Christians saw as idolatrous and and immoral, and they refused 
to compromise and they refused to conform. But the world simply said to them, hey, just a little bit of compromise. Hey, just a little bit of conformity and, and we'll get off your backs. If you, if you just uh, accept this, maybe you don't have to accept it, but just accept this and just accept that. But, but they refused to compromise and they refused to conform and they were known as haters of the human race. But listen to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they have defeated the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. This fresh vision of Jesus gave them faith and it gave them courage to follow Jesus wherever he took them, even to dangerous and unsafe places. And so this fresh vision of Jesus was about his love for them, his liberation of them, but it was also about his call on their life. It wasn't just to, to live and just try to survive and get through. It was about verse six, Revelation one. He made us a kingdom of priests. I've told you before that in every region of the world, uh, had its own God. And if you wanted to know what the God was like, the first place you went was to look at the priests because they lived differently, they looked differently, they behaved differently. And God says, you're my kingdom of priests and I want you to live life that way even though you're under pressure. I don't have time to give you all the scriptures, but I hope that you'll but read uh, the book of Revelation and you'll see that these Christians who were under pressure, they were facing persecution. Read the letters to the churches, Revelation chapter two. Uh, they were facing the danger of false teaching. Uh, read Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. They're facing the danger of complacency. You're not hot. You're neither hot nor cold. Uh, it's just over and over the danger of persecution, the danger of false teaching, and the danger of complacency. And I don't know about you, but I see those same three dangers in our world today. The, the danger of persecution. And if you don't think persecution is coming, my friends, look at other parts of the world. If you don't think there's a danger of false teaching, it's great that you can get online and you can watch any teacher that you want to, but be careful. There's a lot of false teaching out there and there's an awful lot of complacency we're just gonna get through. But Revelation was written to encourage God's people that Jesus rules and he has everything under control. It's, it's in his hands. Look at chapter four, verse 10 and 11. The 24, angel, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Jesus rules and he has everything under control. Revelation was written to encourage God's people that Jesus wins. Listen to the language of chapter 17. They will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will overcome them by because he's the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And with him uh, will be his called chosen and faithful servants. He he wins. Revelation was written them to encourage them to keep, don't, to keep going and not compromise their faith because Jesus is the eternal one. He's the first and the last. Chapter 22, verse 13. Jesus is the promised one, the line of the tribe of Judah. Revelation 5, 5. Jesus is the lamb that was slain. He's the lamb that was slain. And I need you to hear this passage of scripture from Revelation 5, verses 6 through 14. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing before the, between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, and people and nation. And you've caused them to come a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on the earth. 
Then I looked again and I heard the voice of a thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. And they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one who is sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said amen and the 24 elders fell down and worship the Lamb. Seems to me that when we get a lot uh, accurate picture of who Jesus is, there's an awful lot of falling down. And I think it's been a long time since the American church has fallen down in front of this true picture of who Jesus is. So what do we do? Check this out. Revelation 4, 1 and 2. Then I looked and I saw a door standing open in heaven and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. And the voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. That's the big picture. You want to know what to do with Revelation. First of all, hear the voice. Jesus is speaking to you today loud and clear. And he wants to drown out all the other voices. Jesus is the voice. Secondly, Jesus is the vision over and over again. This is a picture of Jesus. You want to know what Revelation is about? It's Jesus. He's sitting on the throne and he is in control. Trust him. And then third, Revelation calls us to make the venture. A venture is to dare to do something or go somewhere that may be dangerous or unsafe. It's time we take the venture with our Lord Jesus. Revelation 1.3, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. He blesses all who listen to his message and obey what he says for the time is near. So what do we do, friends? We see the vision or we hear the voice, Jesus. We see the vision, Jesus. We make the venture and we follow Jesus. So will you join me in the adventure as a kingdom of priests who make Jesus known by trusting the Lord and doing good, faithful to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. That's what you and I are called to do. Father God, I thank you that this picture is crystal clear, that the voice that speaks to us is Jesus, and he's speaking right now, that the vision is Jesus, and he wants us to follow him into the greatest adventure known to faithful proclamation of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. May we be found faithful, patiently enduring until he returns, making him known, trusting you, Lord, and doing good. In the name of Jesus, the one who sits on the throne, who rules and reigns, we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Jed, and I am so glad that you joined us today. Here at Miami Valley Church, we want to make Jesus known, but I want to take this time right now to let you know that Jesus came for you and that his free gift is available for you. If you've never said yes to Jesus, would you pray with me today? God, I believe that you created me. God, I believe that I have done things in my life that are not pleasing in your sight. God, I believe that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to die a death on a cross for me and for my sins. I believe that he rose again. And today, I ask him into my heart as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've just prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you let us know at startatmiamivalley.org, startatmiamivalley.org. We want to pray with you and for you as we go on this journey together and as we make Jesus known. Let's go out and trust the Lord and do good. This holiday season will look much different than usual, but we still have hope. I'm Caleb with Declare, and we are so excited to partner with Miami Valley Leadership Foundation to bring to you Hope for the Holidays, a Christmas and holiday drive-in experience at the Dixie Twin Drive-In. Hi, I'm Sarah Pelfrey with Miami Valley Leadership Foundation, and I am so excited for Hope for the Holidays. 
I cannot wait to see you at the Dixie Plain. It's going to be an awesome night, so come on out and grab a blanket and your kids and some hot chocolate, and we'll see you there, and we're gonna have some pastors share the heart behind this event. John 17, 20 and 21 says this, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so the world will believe you sent me. For Jesus to pray this is something special. It's the last thing he prayed. I can't find division in that prayer. So how do we model unity in his church? How do we break down these barriers that we've established that separate us? How do we remove the walls that divide us? Let us become more reliant on God and fix our eyes on Jesus. Putting our hope in Him. Our desire being His desire. Wanting what He wants. We pray for the valley and people all over the world to know and experience Jesus Christ. It's going to take more than one pastor, one community, and one church. We must all be one.